remarkable people overcoming remarkable challenges with resilience, dedication, community, and grit. Listen as they share their stories of overcoming adversity. Open your eyes to what is genuinely possible for all of us. Authentic Adversity with host Chris Howe. This episode of the Authentic Adversity podcast is brought to you and sponsored by Another Road Drug and Alcohol Treatment Center. Another Road offers a client-centered recovery program tailored to every individual's circumstances. Their focus is to create a supportive healing environment rather than a rigid, rule-based institution. Their dedicated commitment upholds the individual values respecting each person's desire for recovery. Another Road understands that every individual requires a unique and focused approach to their recovery. Certain modalities of treatment are introduced along with the tools necessary for each client. Located in a rural setting, their addiction treatment center for all genders provides the perfect setting for a transformative recovery experience and sense of belonging. The private residential treatment facility offers an unparalleled program with counselors that have in-depth knowledge based on varying years of experience in addiction. Another Road utilizes unique individual focus plans for recovery that address the complexities of drug addiction, alcoholism, and prescription medication misuse. They have a 65% success rate when clients follow their program. I know many people who have completed this program and they have absolutely rave reviews. To learn more, visit anotherroad.ca. Yeah. So kept on getting ready for work. It's like around 11 o'clock, you know, and I'm getting ready for work. It's like 1230. And I'm like, I haven't heard from her. You know, she's going to call me back and wonder what's going on. And um, I get this missed call from a, a New York number that I don't know. And, uh, you know, this, I was like, wasn't like answering calls from numbers I didn't know. Sure. I was like, oh, they'll leave a message, whatever. So I'm like shaving and five minutes later, same, same number. So I pick it up and I answer the phone and it's a friend of hers. And she's like, Hey, you know, she's like, he's like, Hey, uh, did you hear about Janine? And I was like, I was like, no. And you know, he's like, she got shot. I was just in shock. And I was like, what? I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? She's like, she got shot. I'm trying to figure out what these words mean in my mind. Right. Right. And so what had happened was she had terminated the guy and went to his car. He had a breakdown and uh, whether he was on steroids, whatnot, he got a gun. He walked back inside and he came in through a back entrance and he shot her in the head. Oh my God. It's, it's really, I mean, I want to take a second and just acknowledge, um, you know, your vulnerability and, you know, that that's, it's the most tragic thing um, to hear about something like this. And, you know, she's just doing her job and and something like this happens. And, um, you know, I I truly, I'm truly, I don't know how to say I'm sorry enough for, you know, this thing happening to her and, and, and you too, as a, as a couple, you know, it's, what is your, what, what happens to your life then? Like, this is, I mean, it's so abrupt. It's so un, un, you know, you can't plan for something like this. This is a, a, like a, a very tragic and, um, I don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's unspeakable. Right. And, and so what happens to you then? Uh, you just start to ask yourself endless amount of questions, you know, right. Um, that morning she'd been, you know, she'd been leaving for work and I was in the kitchen and every morning I say goodbye to her, you know, and she's like, are you going to come say goodbye to me? And I like walk to the door, you know, like half run and, uh, I hold her and I, I hug her and I kiss her and I tell her, I love her. You know, we tell each other, I love you. And every single time she like walks out the door and she walks down the path. And I always open the door and I call her and I'm like, Hey, she turns around and I'm like, I love you. Yeah. It was the first time I didn't do that. Oh, wow. I said goodbye to her at the door. And it was the first time I didn't open the door again and call her name. Wow. And 
all that morning she had she was like you know she's like something feels off today she's like i don't know what it is something feels off really there's this thing in the air yeah you know it's this like premonition this feeling and you start to think about all those things Mm -hmm. and then i'm there and i was like in a towel when i'm hearing that she's shot and i like go to grab some clothes and i'm like uh, i'm like what do i even wear you know, and I end up just grabbing like a jeans and a t-shirt, you know, putting something on and, and driving over to the gym. It was like five minutes from our house. Yeah. And I called her mom on the way, you know, and I was like, really hopeful. He's like, I don't know where she got shot. They got her friend on the phone. He's like, I don't know. Uh, he's like, I think that, I think she's at the hospital. I don't know what's going on. They won't tell us anything. And I called her mom on the, on the ride. And you know, her mom and I had been talking at this point for some years now. Um, and, and she's like, is everything okay? And I was like, no, and she's like, let me sit down. And, uh, and I tell her, you know, and I tell her, you know, she's been shot. I don't know what's happened. I don't know anything more than this. I'm going to find out now. And she's like, okay. She's like, we're going to, we're going to get some flights and come down. Um, and I get to I get to the gym and it's at this mall and there's cops everywhere and I like leave my car on the street and I'm um, trying to get information and one cop finally sees you know I'm like about to lose my mind and he's like park your car and I will drive you she's at the hospital I'll drive him so this cop this angel I mean I don't know his name I don't I I don't have his badge number man but this man I am so grateful for this man. Who drove for me because if I had driven myself to the hospital, I would have, I would have killed somebody like the yeah. roads, everything. Yeah. He was there for you when you needed him the most and, and, you know, yeah. provided that service for you to, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you get there. So, so we get there and we walk in and the emergency doors open, we walk in the room and then the other doors, like the operating room opens and I see gurneys and I see doctors doing things. And I surely see her on a, on a gurney, you know, and it was so fast in and out. And I was like, is she in there? He's like, you can't go in there. It's like, you can't go in there. I'm like, she's in there. And I'm like, he's like, you can't go in. You have to go over here. And I'm waiting in this place and hours are going by and people start showing up and this guy comes in, he's asking all these questions and everything. More and more people come. And what happened that day was, you know, he shot her in the head. He stood over, he shot her again in the chest. This 230 pound bodybuilder on steroids needs a gun to kill a 125 pound angel. For doing his job. For doing his job. Because he couldn't handle losing his job. Yeah. This is what he does. And so then he shoots on a manager, another manager who's his friend in the neck because he was involved in the, in the firing and he wow. ends up dying the next day. Oh and he looks goodness. for another manager, his best friend, who was, who was also part of it, couldn't find him. And then he goes into the bathroom and he shoots himself. So there was, you know, there's, there's no restitution. There is no justice to be had. Yeah. There's nothing. There's just waiting. Yeah. And we're waiting a few hours and, you know, more information is coming out that she was shot in the head, you know, um, they don't have any information and I'm praying in the hospital. I'm really praying. I'm like, I can deal with anything. I'll deal with anything as long as she's alive. Right. You know, praying for this. And then finally some doctors come, some police and they take me in a room, my best friend. And, um, you know, now they know I'm not her husband because in Florida, there's no common law marriage. And if you're not next of kin, they don't give any information, whatever. And they're like, you know, well, where is her family? I'm like, they're on flights right now. They're coming. I'm like, I live with her all this. And I have to prove to them who I am. That you're worthy of this information. Yeah. 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 And they're like, well, you know, unfortunately we tried everything I could there. We tried everything we could. There was too much damage to the spinal cord and, uh, you know, she, she passed and I was just, just in shock, you know, just absolute shock. Right. And, as, as, uh, as anyone would be, I mean, geez, that is so, you know, that is, it's heartbreaking and it's so sudden and, um, this abrupt 
interruption of your, you know, the life that you had dreamed about and, and, you know, all these, all these plans and the, you know, the love of your life and, you know, things coming together and, you know, finding the, you know, different avenues and work and, you know, thinking about the future together and then gone. You just, it, yeah, you must have just like, what do you, what do you do? Are you just empty? How does that, I couldn't imagine you know, I, your shoes there. Like I, I didn't, I was in shock until later that night, you know, I, I, I left the hospital, didn't say a word. I just looked at everyone and I just like shook my head and everyone was like, everyone sunk, you know, and the people were still waiting to hear about everyone out, uh, the other, the other guy that died. Um, and my mom flew from Puerto Rico. My sister picked her up from Orlando, like drove her down. And it wasn't until my mom got there and I had friends in my house, you know, and I'm like serving them drinks and I'm like, are you guys okay? And I'm like, you know, trying to take care of my friends and they're all like, you know, what the fuck, you know, how could this happen? Yeah. And it wasn't until I saw my mom that I broke, you know, and the first words out of my mouth were about my nephew, my sister's kid, because, you know, she adored him and he loved her so much. And I was like, you know, what are we going to tell Ryan? Right. Those were my first words. And, and it was this constant, like, you know, looking out for other people, you know, mm -hmm. and not for myself. Like what, what did it matter anymore? It was like back to the, you know, what does it all matter? Really? Back to, yeah, that back to that lost feeling of yeah. like, like fuck it. Yeah. 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 And, um, I, I didn't, I didn't eat for like five days and her family came down and we had this very cathartic moment all together, you know, from the very beginning. You know, there was a lot of forgiveness and a lot of love and a lot of shame, you know, and how we could evolve because I had my part in it too. You know, I didn't, I didn't go and demand my place, you know, and, and demand right. that they respect her and, and all of that, you know, we all had a part in it and a lot of like karma was resolved very quickly by all of us and how, how quickly we came together and to love each other and to, to learn from our mistakes, you know? Wow. Um, that's very healing but I, I can imagine that yeah. you're there for each other like and these are people who didn't approve of you or the relationship and now you're helping each other heal and you're being there for each other in the most tragic of tragic situations and janine that's her name you know mm -hmm. she's the kind of person who was like the glue of everything you know she's right. the one who would walk into a room and you know, you, you know, people like this, they walk into a room and everyone feels the energy change, you know, and she had this yes. laugh that would like just melt anyone, you know, and, mm -hmm. and she had this way of just like taking anyone who was upset and just, you know, messing with them to the point of like, you know, they'd be happy. And, and she was the one that everyone wanted to be around, you know, right. and we were all there in this room together and there was only one person we wanted to be there. And it was the absence of that, 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 that brought us together to be strong for each other, you know? Right, right. Um, and I didn't, I didn't eat for five days. I drank, just drank. Yeah. And I was sober, drinking as much as I possibly could, stone sober. You couldn't just, escape. You couldn't, couldn't escape, escape the emotions. Yeah. Couldn't sleep. And if I slept, it was only because I was entirely exhausted and I would wake up in the middle of the night, you know, with my arm over on the bed feeling the cold emptiness that was there and agonizing and screaming, you know, how someone could do this. These are my actual words. How could someone do this? Yeah. yeah. Why would someone do this? Because of a job, because yeah. they couldn't handle losing their job. This is what they went and did and did to dozens, if not hundreds of people that they affected. Oh, surely. What do yeah. those people do? So what do, what do I do now? But that's like the question. It's like, oh, so he lost his job. So he kills people and destroys lives. Someone has just destroyed my life, killed the person I love the most, killed who I am, killed everything. But my, what do I do? I go and do that. You battle with these questions constantly. So it's what happens in the mind. Right. With, with, and, and there's no, I can imagine there's no answer. There's no answer. There's never ever coming to a resolve you know, in, in those times. And, and so you're, 
you're drinking, um, you're drinking more, you're trying to, I'm sure, cover up these. So, you know, open and fresh wounds that nobody should have to deal with nobody should have to go through this right and um so so does, does everything kind of spiral from there uh yes and no i mean okay. i i knew that like my my career and my life in restaurants and everything was over like i immediately like i just knew i was never going back to work there was no way i was going to be able to go to work and like pour someone a glass of champagne and be like oh how was your day how are you doing right. you know happy right. anniversary you know, yeah. and all of the work we had put in, you know, into these lives, into these, you know, boxes for all of it to just be gone. You know, everything that we'd wanted in dreams, it's, it's gone. It's over. Right. And I wasn't going to go back and just like go back to work and pretend like things didn't happen, you know, or, or what a lot of people do is they dive directly back into work and they, they uh, distract themselves from right. it could have done that but i would not have been happy i would have been miserable i would have hated my life even more and i mean kudos to you for not not allowing yourself to to do that like giving yourself the space and the and the time and the you know being aware enough that to know that no i can't handle this and i'm not going to try to uh outwork this thing or out you know outrun this thing i i'm you know i've got to go through it i give got to give myself the time and the space to heal you know, uh, that's a hard thing for, for people to do in a, you know, without some sort of tragic event like that and not going through all this other emotional stuff, right? Like taking the time to heal and, and having that awareness about yourself that you know, it's not going to be good for me to go back and do what I am good at doing. What's what I've been good at doing and, you know, what's been my livelihood for X amount of years, right? So um, at, at this point, do you, do you start to look inward? Are you starting to, 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 to kind of, uh, experience that journey of, of healing for yourself or is there time still before this? Um, it was probably, it was a few months, you know, it was a lot of drinking. Um, right. you know, I'd spent a lot of time uh, up North where her family was from, you know, we had the funeral out there and I spent time in her house and everything. Um. Like the first time I was ever in her bedroom was for her funeral, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and I came back and like, you know, I had people around me, I had friends, I had my mom who came and she stayed with me for a little while. And, um, there's a lot of drinking, but it was a lot of just silence, you know, yeah. just this shock. And, uh, I woke up you know, and, and trying to like collect the memories and to like look around at all the things. And we, we had this thing, we would always write each other like little letters or cards and notes and we'd like hide them for each other. Like I'd have them in her purse so she could find it later at work or she'd leave me a card at home. Right. You know, and we always had them over the years and I would read them and I was reading them so I could hear her voice, you know. Yeah. And I had them all collected and I would like read them all day and just so I could hear her. And one morning I woke up and I was like just supremely hungover. And I found a tattoo shop. It was like one of the best tattoo shops in the city. And I went with a few of the cards and I, and I had them tattooed on my arms and I had never had tattoos before. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, and that was when I, I began to have a, have kind of like a sense of direction for the pain because before then the pain was just this constant barrage that like came from this vortex inside of me you know it came from in here like it was just an axe like lodged in my chest and it was just constant pain yeah and the tattoos helped to channel that pain into a certain direction and i started to use psychedelics uh, to microdose psychedelics, but then I was also taking psychedelics when I would get tattooed. Okay. And it, it, it allowed me to have a very directed inner experience mm -hmm. because you have to stay still. Obviously you got to stay still when you're getting tattooed. You can't be yeah. like all bumping around. <laughs> right. So 
I would have this very internal experience where I was somewhat activating my body with her words and with these thoughts. And uh, when, when it developed later on to like other pieces, you know, I would work through a lot of traumas, you know, after, after a certain point of tattoos, you know, there's no longer this like really exceeding pain, you know, that even brings tears. Like there was no more, there were no more tears in my life. I, I had had right. shed all the tears I could possibly shed at some point and about a year, two years afterwards. Um, but I started to see that there was, there had to be more to life. You know, there had okay. to be more than just, eat, sleep, work, right. sex, there's gotta mm -hmm. be something more, you know? Right. And when you, when you go around and you look around in the world, like, what is it, what is it we're doing here? We right. eat, we sleep, we work, we procreate. Right. You're, that's it. That's the four things. There needs to be more. And mm -hmm. what more was there? What more could there be for me? Yeah. And I'd read her words and these words there, you know, like she's very happy for me to see me happy again and what it is that I was doing and, and, and that uh, she's proud of me and all of these things, and, you know, and I was like in this twilight zone, I'm like, well, these words don't match up for what's happening now, mm -hmm. you know, like what's going on. And I'd come into, I'd come into money after her death. We had both had insurance and I like, I hated this money. I hated right. it. It represented like this pain, this, this void, you know, yes. to think that like I had all this money now and the only person who I'd want money with was no longer there. And, you know, when people, people, they tell you all these cliches after someone dies, you know, like go out and have fun. You're going to meet someone else. You know, she'd want you to be happy. And like these things are like a twist of the knife, you know, yeah. but people don't know what to say. People don't they know don't, what they see in the movies. Yeah. Right, you know? right, right. You know, no, in the movies, they don't show you three weeks later. They don't show you four months later, you right. know, when everyone has gone home from the funeral, everyone who's not like in ground zero has gone home and they're back in their lives and they're doing, you know, they're back to everything that distracts them. They don't, they don't show you like that doesn't happen for the person who has had a Mack truck run their life over. Right. Right. It just doesn't happen. And, but they tell you all these things and these things are, they're painful, you know, mm -hmm. but at some point you're like, okay, let me just do it so that they can stop telling me these things. Okay. So I'd go out and I'd pretend to have fun, you know, and the more it looked like I was fun, I was having fun, the worse I felt inside, you know? And yeah. I couldn't really go out in Miami too much because everyone knew me. Everyone knew us. Everyone, either the places we would go to in our local town area knew us because we were regulars or everyone right. knew us because of business. And it was like, I'd walk in and people are like, Oh, how are you doing? Like, are you okay? Like, how's work? What are, what are you doing for work? And it was like a constant barrage of these questions that I don't have answers to. I'm like, I'm just trying to have dinner. Yeah. Like a normal person. And you can't escape this, this like constant reminder and the sympathy and, and, and all the, the, you know, seemingly like, I mean, these people are, 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 doing and saying what they what they can because that's all they know and they're trying to be supportive but for you it's just this constant reminder of this inner turmoil that you're dealing with and when can i be normal when can i act normal when can i just go out and be me and have a have a meal without having to relive this thing or rehash something of the past like that i can imagine it'd be very very difficult yeah so with that i decided to start traveling and i traveled and you know i would I'd be able to just have like a, a moment of silence and, and peace and quiet, you know, and I would go out and just be able to be whoever I was, you know, and most right. of the time that, that was just literally sitting by myself, eating drink, eating dinner or having lunch by myself or going to a museum or something like that. But like, but the drinking was still there, you know, it was okay. very much there and it was part of my lifestyle in my life. And after a couple of years, you know, 
I had pushed a lot of people in my life away. You know, you, you know, people tell you like, oh, hey, cream, come hang out. You know, we want you to, you know, we want to see you. People tell you this enough times and you say no, the invitations eventually they stop coming, you know, and I was right. working really well at being alone, being lonely. And then one day, like two years later, I, I was at my best friend who's like my neighbor. He was actually just down here um, in Tulum now with me. And I was at his restaurant in this place. I had a seat at the bar waiting for me every single night of the week, you know, right. and I'm there and I'm there with a friend of mine. I drink like four bottles of, of wine, champagne by myself, like this big dinner. And it's just like constant eating and drinking, like this, this feeling of this void that could never be filled. Right. And I'm like upset because like the bars, the, the bartender's beard is like all greasy and, and unkept. And he's now they're wearing baseball caps. And I'm like, what's going on here? And I'm like, what is this? And I like have this outburst and like burn my, what's left of my life down. It's burning. Yeah. Just, you know? Right. And I'd even like started dating again. And I was dating, a, you know, a, a manager that was working there. And like, you know, that ended that night just okay. totally embarrassed myself, my best friend. And, and I wake up the next day and I'm like, don't even know how I got home. Don't, I don't remember being that hungover in a long time. And I call my friend, I call, you know, I call the girls dating and, you know, they message me back and they're like, well, this is what happened. And I start to like, remember. You know? mm -hmm. And like, finally, at this point, now I feel this feeling of shame this what am i doing with my life okay like i'm alive yeah what am i doing with that yeah right and i literally take out a pen and a paper and i do this quick pro and con list okay and all these beautiful amazing things that happen in my life because of alcohol and all these other things and it was a very heavy lopsided and i decided then and there like that was it you know yeah. if i can if i can get rid of all this negative then maybe there'll be some room for some other positive coming. Okay. Now it was June 23rd, 2019. And I didn't have another drink after that. And you're still sober today. That's, I mean, I first want to say congratulations on your sobriety. And, um, you know, it's, it's oftentimes, um, it's these, I mean, in some circles, they call them spiritual experiences, but they're, they're these breaking points of, of like, okay, what, like just what you said, like I, I have a life and what am I doing with it? And, and these, these, you know, we, we hit a, whether, uh, you know, an emotional rock bottom, I guess. And, and we have to take a good hard look at ourselves and, and basically do what you did on, you know, with pen and paper, writing a pro and con list and seeing it in black and white right there, I need to make some changes and the alcohol needs to go. And, um, you know, to, to stay committed to that, um, is as, as, as I know, I mean, it's not an easy road to walk. So what happens then, um, you get rid of the alcohol and then I imagine you start to really, you know, take a, take a good look at yourself and, and, you know, and go, are you seeking help from outside, uh, at this point? Or are you, um, what is, how, what is your transformation, uh, look like from there? Well, I never, I never wanted to go see doctors because mm -hmm. everyone's like, oh, you know, you have someone to talk to, I'm like talk to who, talk to someone who doesn't know the person I want to talk about yeah. or who wants to like open a book and be like, you're this you know, and then give me some pills and take who's going to change yeah, exactly. who I am. Like, I don't, I don't even, I don't even want to entertain that. So what happened from, from there really was this return to, to my youth, to the experience that I had, these transcendental experiences and these, yeah. these other, other realms, you know, and those, those mushroom journeys and, uh, that transcendental experience had opened me up to this like side of the world that I knew existed, but I didn't know where to find it. And I had always right. been looking for it when I was younger. And that journey like took me to, to study into the mysteries and look into occult things and things like that. Right. And the Freemasons. And when I was, um, when I was in my early twenties, you know, I visited like the Freemason lodges in Miami and I, I couldn't do them. I couldn't go because I would work nights and it just didn't work. And a couple of years I was with Janine, you know, I actually ended up working in her office for two years and I ended up 
going through the entire journey of becoming a, a Freemason and everything like that. And, um, and I'm, I'm so grateful. This is an experience in my life that like I recommend to uh, every man to, to seek out and to look into um, this, this, this brotherhood of men trying to become better men. And these were people who were there for me in my darkest time, you know? Right. Um, but it, it is this journey of the mysteries about what life is and what life is about and what we're here mm -hmm. for. Um, and so after I stopped drinking, you know, like I immediately felt better just immediately yeah. within like a few days just started feeling better. And this desire for rich, salty, fatty foods, like totally subsided, you know, and that was part of that cycle of just, you know, feed and ingest and drink and consume right. that, that really quieted. And I was like, okay, I feel better. You know, I'm just going to eat some vegetables and some salad and fish maybe. And I did that for a couple of weeks and I felt better. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to have some protein shakes and smoothies and fresh juice and salads. And then I did that for like a few weeks and I felt immensely better. Um, but I was still obviously severely depressed and alone. And I was, you know, I spent a lot of time alone um, by choice, you know, and right. I'm laying on my couch one night and I'm like, I'm like, I just gotta, you know, I gotta do something. I got, I don't know. I need something. There's something that I need. And I have all these like books about the mysteries and about, about life and the soul journey and all these things. Um, there's always something missing. You know, there's okay. always this one piece of it that's not there. Mm -hmm. And I come across on YouTube, I come across uh, Napoleon Hill's master key system. Right. And it wasn't anything super spiritual or out of the ordinary. And it was just like this action plan. And I listened to it on repeat, like nonstop for weeks. Yeah. And, and I just decide, I'm like, all right. And I go to the backyard and like, she, Janine always wants the backyard to be like nice and everything like that. And I was like, you know, I'm going to make the backyard nice. So I went back there and like, I carried in, 250 35 pound bags of pebbles and rocks you know and would go and pick them up every day in her jeep and like refitted the whole backyard and like put in like trees and put in a hot tub and like all this stuff. i'm like i don't know who i'm making this for like i don't hang out with anyone like nobody comes to my house yeah you know i'm i'm making this basically for her you know yeah you're building this tribute almost yeah exactly you know and, and and it got my body moving and got me, mm -hmm. it got me feeling better and everything like that. And then, um, during the two years of my dark period, I had always known I was supposed to be doing something, but it was in the back of my head, you know, I pushed it away. And, right. um, when I was younger, um, I had gotten into yoga and I loved yoga. I just loved it. It was like the greatest high ever. And Janine had got me a Groupon for like a month membership at the studio in town. Okay. And I went like 45 times in, in 30 days once. Wow. And during those two years, I would walk on the other side of the street from the yoga studio because I didn't want anyone to see me. I didn't want any of the teachers to see me. I didn't want to be seen and recognized because I knew right. I was supposed to be in there. By this point, I had already been like microdosing a little bit with some mushrooms here and there and taking mushrooms. And I got in touch with someone to get me some LSD. So it was coming on like three months or so after stop drinking. And it was mm -hmm. the fall equinox, September 23rd, I think it was. Okay. And I take a full dose of LSD by myself in my house. And I like sit down and I meditate for like six hours straight, just staring at this candle. And I'm, and I wow. don't go anywhere. I don't move or anything like that. Yeah. And, you know, things are like, things in my life are like coming at me and I'm thinking about them and working through them and like pushing through it. I'm like, well, that's not me like that. I don't need that. I don't do that anymore. And I come to the now, you know, come to the moment of the here and right now. And, you know, six hours in, there's no more hallucinations. You know, you're like, you're in it. You're fully present. You're like right. in the experience. There's no like things that are going to come out of nowhere and everything like you're, you're now in that world and you're a part of it and you fully understand how it works and everything like that. That was okay. there. 
And I say to myself, you know, the suffering that's happening now. The suffering is now happening because of my refusal to accept what is. I refuse to accept that she's gone. You know, I keep on living this life like, oh, well, if I keep on doing and having fun and, and trying to be all wherever I used to be, maybe I'll wake up one day and it'll be a bad dream. Right. And then I think to myself and I think, you know, well, let's say karma is real. If karma is real, then that means this happened because I did this before. This happened because I killed someone before. And this cycle needs to end at some point. Right. And what do I do? Someone hurts me. I go out and I hurt someone else. Eye for an eye. Right. Lead to a world of blind. Right. And I sit there and I, I look back on the experiences that I'd had in those two years and everything that had come to me and all the beauty and the, the way I was able to be there for my family because before that she was my world and I didn't have any time for my family or anything like that. And I was able to be there for my friends in time of need. And I was able to do certain things for certain people and to be in certain places. And those things wouldn't have happened if things hadn't changed the way they did. Yeah. Right. And I was in that moment in this place of deep gratitude for everything that had happened in my life to be able to see the world from a different lens, to be able to see it all from a different angle, to have my Mm -hmm. life completely changed, to know that there's still more to life. Yeah. And grateful for the money that had come to give me the time to be still, to be able to understand. I thought about the man that killed her. And I thought about the role that he played in all of it. And I thought about the depths of the cosmic order of all things and how our higher selves can only be pure goodness. And that what comes to this world comes to this world in the form of action, cause and effect. And that he played his role, his part in this play to the very best that he could have, that his highest self most likely would not have wanted to, but had to. Wow. Yeah. That's a very, that, that place to, to, to get to that place of compassion. It's not, I mean, that's, that's not easy. To forgive him. Mm-hmm. To forgive him for doing what only he could do. Right. And in that moment to forgive myself for having caused the entire experience from the beginning and doing it to someone else. And in choosing in that moment to not be a source of rage and anger and violence in the world. Wow. And that all yeah. forms of anger are violence. And to think about Janine and the sacrifice she made to give me the gift of this new life. That's uh that's incredible, man. That's, um, I mean, that, I mean, people work so hard to, to, to come to just even like a fraction of that acceptance and that understanding. And, um, I mean, it's, it's amazing that you could bring yourself to that place and, um, you know, truly forgive and have compassion and understanding for all these events and, and kind of what happened as a result as well. Um, and then, you know, from that point, now you're, you're coaching other people in transforming their own lives. I mean, can you talk about that? Like what, what's, what's kind of led you to, um, I mean, you are always a leader. And, and since you were a kid, you, you know, you're in that leadership role. Um, how have you been able to take your experience, your transformational experience and get to a place where you can now facilitate and coach others, um, to the same through your lived experience? Well, after, after that LSD experience, I took a day mm-hmm. and I integrated in the very following full day, I walked into the yoga studio at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. 
And I started what I term as my spiritual journey, you know, an acceptance of it. And yes. went every single day for 30 days, three to four times a day, wow. nonstop. And had this monumental heart chakra opening by the end of it. Um, and I continued on that path, you know, three to six hours of yoga almost every single day for about a year and wow. just fully dedicated my life to it and, and to understanding more and to meditation and everything. And I found that the key to everything lies in meditation one and in the movement of the body, which is the yogic, you know, asana practice, but it, it can happen in many forms, but so throughout that journey, um, and in this, you know, continuous elevation of the vibration of raising it higher to understand that everything works for our for our betterment and our purpose and that the that our highest self is really calling us forward from the future there's nothing that pushes us from behind you know we're, we're being propelled compelled to to move forward and when right. we when we embrace that pull you know it's almost as if we're led uh, in the right direction at all times. It's always whenever we try to, you know, when we try to interact with it or we try to adjust it and we try to manipulate it, that things start to go wrong. Okay. And yeah. along that path and that journey, you know, I started to find the things that were missing in all those books that I had and the thread that kind of kept it all together. And it was this compendium of understanding that, that the book's, and, you know, the programs and stuff like that are all leading towards, but none of none that I found had the full uh, lexicon of, of what was needed and the knowledge that was needed. And my journey took me to to find all these things and these elements that I was lacking, that I and my my search wasn't I wasn't finding and to find them and put them in place and then to collect them in an order and somewhat of a method that anyone could follow. And the truth is. You don't have to wait until your life collapses. You don't have to wait until the Mack truck of fate and destiny come along and run you over to say, oh, I think I need to make a change. The truth is, you know, we, we have that all the time, except we're not listening or we hear it and then we, we brush it off, you know? Yes. Yeah. So, so um, about a year after that whole yogic, time period, you know, I found myself here in Tulum a lot and I would find people who I would consider being teachers and coaches and people who were teachers and coaches coming to me and asking me for certain advice or certain things and being wow. surrounded by them all the time. And, and, you know, people wanting to hear things that I was saying or, or have my opinion on things. And I could see that there is a lot of there's a lot of people out there that need need assistance and not not help, but they need guidance or to kind of be shown this path towards the way. Right. Because right. because everyone's path is different, you know, but there is a way. There is a way to to make it on the path. Yeah, I think that's important that everybody's path is different and and there are different modalities to get to where you need to go. And um, and and I, I really, you know, and I appreciate that's one of the things I really appreciate about your story, um, you know, is that the way, you know, you got to where you are in life today is a lot different than sort of my journey and, you know, through recovery, but we end up intersecting at some point along the way. Right. And 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 now you know, being able to, to share experiences together, I think is, is the beauty of, of, you know, living in our truths. This, um, this wealth of wisdom that we've all collected and, and gathered on our journey mm -hmm. and putting it out for people to be able to understand and to see and, and to know. And so, so I started to work one-on-one -on -one with people and now moving towards working in groups and having a course that people can actually take. And it's this framework of being able to go from step by step, how to elevate the vibration of one's own life, to be able to direct themselves, to be able to become the master of their own destiny and to know that they can direct the energy flow of their own life instead of constantly feeling like the world is interrupting them and, and, and 
getting to the knowledge and the awareness that when something does come along that that cuts through our path or creates an obstacle that we seem to be looking at as insurmountable, it's for us to be able to creatively find the way to overcome it, to understand that this has been put in this place because you're able to, right. because it's already known that you can do it. And it's yes. just this puzzle piece for you to figure out. So Kareem, um, so you've developed this program now and you're, you know, um, you're giving back to others and, and you're sharing this wealth of knowledge and experience that, that you've gained. And um, so what, what happens from here? Like where, where does life go from here for you? Uh, life continues to go up from here, always yeah. up the incline, right. up the path. What I've been working on now actually is launching a YouTube channel with a lot of the methods and tools that I've used in my life to help be able to, to hone in my own emotions, to hone in okay. my, my desires and my, my drive and direct it towards the avenue that I want. Um, right. And having that YouTube channel as a free source of information for people to learn uh, meditation and manifestation and yoga and the principles of the universe and the soul's journey and what it is that we're here for and how to find one's life purpose. Um, and because I, I know it's needed because I know because I sat on a couch for weeks and months searching and searching and searching. And I have books that I've collected over dozens of years and for decades trying to find all these answers, you know, and it's out there. Um, it is not in plain sight. It's a lot more visible now, um, but also again, there are a lot of things that are lacking. And when you're on this journey of lacking, you kind of find like you're just like being led around by this cat, this cat's yeah. tail, you know? And uh, I want people to find a place where, okay, this is where everything exists that I need. And I'm gonna continue on myself on this journey, continuously finding and looking for, for new ways and methods that other people can say, well, this doesn't work for me, but this over here works for me. Okay, I'm gonna use this. Right. Um, and also launching my course fully online, um, which will be happening in December. I want to take a maximum of 20 people and work through the course with them. It's about 10 weeks. I haven't decided if it's gonna be uh, nine or 10 or maybe closer to 12 weeks um, and really work through all of the step-by-step -step process that it takes to be able to take a person whether you're already well on your manifestation journey or you're just starting and you've just become aware that you can control your life, you can be the master of your own destiny and work them through the step-by-step -step process to be able to take them at the end of it, have this wealth of tools, this you know, self-mastery toolkit that they can take with them in their life and uh, be fully lifetime access or so anything that gets new or gets updated or added, you always have access to it. Uh, that comes with, you know, weekly, weekly group coaching sessions with me during the time of the course and being able to work with other people who are also working through this process and going through the journey of self-awareness, of self-realization, of becoming into the understanding that you are the living force of creation. You are this universe, you know, billions and billions of years ago. There was nothing and there was this big bang and all the swirls of gas and the planets all happened and the earth was molten and then it became form and then there was water and land and then there was a tadpole and this tadpole had some chutzpah and some ambition and he wiggled his way on earth and there were dinosaurs and there was this and then you were born. Right. And you are the universe and you have every yeah. bit of the power of the creation of this universe inside of you. What you have only been lacking is the tools and the method and the formula and how to unlock it all. Well, that's that's honestly very intriguing. Um, you know, I'm to myself and I'm sure anyone listening. I mean, that's uh, especially that it's it's offered to anybody at any point in their life or their journey. Um, you know, there's there's going to be great benefit, and I know from you know, from the meeting space that we share and the feedback you give to others that, um, you know, honestly, your 
the way you give back, the way you give feedback, the way you listen, the way you you share with others, it's so authentic and so um, deep. And and there's so much um, there's so much knowledge behind everything that you say. Um, people can't help but to kind of hang off of every word that you that you say. And and I appreciate that about you. And um, you know, I I truly think that this interview is going to help uh, change a lot of lives and change some perspective. And, you know, I, I really look forward to your, your uh, YouTube channel. Um, finally, I, I want to talk about where can people find you online? Where can people find this, this information if they're, if they're intrigued as I am? Absolutely. Uh, the transcendental man, the transcendental man, my Instagram handle, the transcendental man.com. And YouTube is the Transcendental Man. Uh, so Perfect. The Transcendental Man, everywhere you go. Everywhere yeah. you go. Well, Kareem, uh, I really, you know, I, I want to take this moment to, to like fully appreciate everything that you've shared with us. Uh, your vulnerability is, is just so, um, you know, and your, your openness to share this stuff. I mean, I'm so grateful for it. And uh, I know anyone listen listening to this will be grateful as well. Um, brother, I love you. I think you're a true gift. And, you know, I'm grateful every day to know you and to be a part of your life and your journey. Um, you help me and, and inspire me daily. Likewise, brother, man, I appreciate this so much. I appreciate being here on this call, being with you, all the other time and the space that we share. Yes. And I'm so grateful for this opportunity to speak to anybody, for anyone to be able to hear and to listen, to know that life gets better. And, right. you know, we have, you know, the truth is we have two lives, you know, and the second mm -hmm. one begins the moment we realize that we only have one. Right. And when we right. accept that and we embrace that, we're able to see all the things that we're able to do. And the only thing mm -hmm. that's been holding us back is our fear, fear of, not knowing whether we could or not. But the truth is we always could. Yeah. So I'm grateful to you. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it. Love you, brother. Looking forward to some time we can spend together Absolutely. in the real world. Very yes. soon. Yes. Yeah. Well, listen, brother, enjoy the rest of your time in Tulum. I'll let you get back to it and uh, I'll, I'll link up with you and chat very soon. Appreciate Thanks, you, brother. brother. Appreciate right. it, man. Take care.